going on, everybody? My name is Reagan. My name is Victor. And welcome to Sanctified-ish, conversations with pastors who have not figured it out. This is attempt 15 on our intro, but I think, quite, I think we've literally. got it. I think we've got it this time. <laughs> we don't literally. plan. We, we don't plan our intros, and so it's really just whatever comes to it's our minds. fully authentic. It's dangerous. It's um, very dangerous. There's some... Pretty tragic news, actually, that happened in a sphere that you're not relatively familiar with. Um, hmm. The Minecraft YouTube sphere. Do you watch a lot of Minecraft YouTube videos? Let me ask. Um, I <laughs> Do you? Because I watch a ton. Just, that sounds super offensive that I just laughed at the notion that you think that I watch <laughs> Minecraft YouTube videos. Um, so I um, apologize to anybody that offended. But no, yeah. I, I, I don't watch Minecraft YouTube videos. Well, I will. Let me enlighten you. Minecraft on YouTube has had this brilliant, amazing kind of like 15 year period on YouTube. And there's so much culture and so much amazing stuff has happened in the Minecraft YouTube space. And I followed it every step of the way. And there is this, there's this YouTuber. He was probably, I want to say he's like 16 years old and he would make Minecraft YouTube videos. And one day some like really tragic news struck actually that he had um, been diagnosed with cancer, needed to get his arm amputated. There's a whole lot of stuff that was happening and his uploads started slowing down. And then recently last year, late last year Hmm. there was a video that was uploaded to his channel and it was his dad talking to the camera basically sharing the news that his son had passed away the minecraft youtuber Hmm. and he sat there on the screen and he had an envelope that that he had written the 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 kid had written kind of like this note to his audience because he knew he was going to pass away and his dad read it on camera and i'll tell you like personally for me I cried like I bawled my eyes oh, wow. out because I had like this yeah. this attachment to this to this kid like this student who made Minecraft YouTube videos and yeah. after having processed that for a little bit I woke up on Sunday morning went to church and I remembered that one of my students is actually really into Minecraft YouTubers like he watches a ton of Minecraft YouTube videos and I I like for whatever reason was just like I probably need to ask if he heard the news if he's doing okay like yeah i just yeah. wanted to hear um and so i brought it up i talked to him and right when i brought it up he just started crying and it, it made me realize that well one i get to actually share the gospel with the student hmm. out of this because he for the first time is actually realizing like the frailty of life probably for the first yeah. time And he had this emotional connection to this YouTuber and we could talk about whether or not that's okay, but he had this attachment to this YouTuber and he was broken because of something that happened that was really tragic. And I got to share the gospel with this kid. And the thing that I started realizing and the thing that I had to be super aware of as a student director was that for me to be able to meet my students where they're at, Mm. I have to be like, I have to be in the culture that they are consuming every day. Not a part of the culture, but like in yeah. it. Like I have to understand what's happening so that I can reach my students. The way that I phrase it, and I, and I really like the phrasing. Um, it's not mine. It's from a book that I read, but it's basically like the foundation of care is understanding. And it's like if we want to hmm. care well for our people, then the foundation of that is understanding. 
So today, yeah. I mean, Reagan, you can you can introduce what we're going to talk about today. But I think that frames a lot of the conversation is yeah. like, how can we reach this next generation with the gospel if we don't understand them? Bro, I, I think that's such a phenomenal setup because uh, today we're simply just talking about how you share the gospel with Gen Z. And I think what you just said right there is that because we care about people, we want them to know the gospel like that's the best news in the world that there's a God who knows you and loves you and died for you and wants to have a relationship with you. So we carry the best message in the world, but oftentimes that message isn't heard because we don't understand the people that we're trying to share the gospel yeah. with. And I, and I think you can go and even just look at the ministry of Paul in the new Testament where Paul basically says like, I lay everything else aside for the purpose of the gospel. So like to the Jew, I was to a Jew, to the Greek, I was to a Greek, to the Gentile, I was a Gentile, like to all these other people, I was a cultural chameleon so that they'd be able to hear the gospel. And I think a lot of the times, like we just sharing the gospel is hard as is, and it's really difficult. And I think we get to that. We're going to dive into that. But I think anytime we go about sharing the gospel. We need to go about it like with a missional mindset that like when we send missionaries overseas, like a lot of the work that that's handled on the front end is, Hey, who are these people? What language do they speak? What are their, like their, their high priorities that they value so that you can understand them, know them and share the gospel more effectively. But we don't necessarily do that here. Yeah. We don't do that stateside. We don't do that in our schools and we don't really do that with Gen Z. And so Gen Z, like everyone else, has a culture, they have beliefs, they have values. And so today we're just going to talk about what those are and how, like, what are the best practices to go about sharing the gospel of Gen Z. So I think it's going to be a really, really fascinating, fascinating time. Yeah, it's 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 interesting that you bring up kind of like the missional aspect of this, because we in a lot of ways when we send missionaries, especially overseas to places that have different languages and different cultures, there's a lot of prep work that happens in that people, you know, missionaries that are being sent out will go to school to learn the language for years and years and years. And they'll they'll go to seminaries and, and learn how to read and learn the culture and learn the nuances. And they spend an insane amount of time just preparing in order to go. And because the cultural differences are so big, that makes sense. But it's fascinating to me that we don't we don't treat stateside neighborhood missions similarly. It's like there yeah. there is a disconnect between the the older generation and Gen Z, and it's it's a pretty big disconnect. And it's like well, for us so to I, understand I, that, we have yeah. to take the time to learn it. Well, and I'm so I'm so glad you brought that up because I think the generation the general the generational gap between maybe like my parents and my grandparents is not as big between my parents and me and my parents and Gen Z. There's a massive, massive, massive yeah. gap there. And I think that's because of media. And yep. so like a lot of the times people's opinions without social media, you formed your own opinions and opinions took longer time to grow. Gen Z has grown up with the opinions at the world in the palm of their hand. And yep. so they're being shaped, they're being refined, they're being focused and their views and their values are honestly that drastically different than that of the generation before them. And so I do think that like one, we're going to handle the missional part here for a second. That's like Matthew 28, the great commission. I don't want to assume that just everybody knows what that is because that's Jesus command as to why we go and share our faith. This yeah. is like now, therefore go into the nations, baptizing them in the, name of the father, son of the Holy spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and behold, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. 
There's a command to go. There's a command to teach, to baptize, to disciple, all these other things. That is the missional root of what we're doing. Now our job is to take that mission and contextualize it to Gen Z. And so, man, I just want to throw this out to you. This is kind of going to be the bulk of our conversation today. But man, like, what? who is Gen Z? Who are these kids? What do they prioritize? What do they believe? And maybe how are they different than other generations in the past? And how, how is the gospel harder to share? But maybe how is the gospel easier as well? Yeah, yeah. The biggest thing that I've noticed, and, and this is probably the biggest difference between the older generation and the newer generation, is there has been a shift from intellectual to experiential or emotional. There's been a, there's been yeah. a divide. So, so generation Z cares less, not, not throwing it out completely, but cares less about the intellectual than, than what the older generation does. And they care more about experience and emotion. Now mm-hmm. that's not necessarily a bad thing. It has negative effects no. just like overemphasis on intellectualism does. But we have to understand that because if we don't, then we try to meet Gen Z with intellectualism and they yeah. don't want to listen and they want nothing to do with what we have to say because they just don't care. And so yeah. as Christians, we kind of need to pick up the mantle here and choose to meet our students, to meet Gen Z where they're at and say, hey, like the gospel appeals to emotion just like it appeals to intellectualism. Like it's not it's yeah, not man. mutually exclusive. And so that's been the biggest divide that I've seen. Um, but I'm sure that plays out in thousands and thousands and thousands of different nuances across generations. Oh, 100%. And I think even like, there's like the broad subsect of culture that is Gen Z. And then they have little subcultures underneath. So like Gen Z is not a monolith, like not every, you know, 15 to 25 year old believes the same things, acts the same way. So everything we say here is a very broad spectrum with Gen Z. But I do think like in my experience, like you're a hundred percent right with your diagnosis of them. Um, I believe it's Rene Descartes. He used to say, I think therefore I am. And this was the age of reason. And so like, if I, if I can logically process it, therefore it's true. We're no longer in an age of reason. We're in an age of experience where Gen Z is saying, I feel this, therefore it's true. Yep. And so my experience, my emotions, my truth is by what I've experienced. And if I haven't experienced your Jesus, your Jesus is not wrong. Or what we see a lot of times is I've experienced something either from the church or through Christians or through who I believe to be Jesus, that because I've experienced this, therefore I want nothing to do with him, even if you tell me all the right doctrine and theology. And so understanding where like generally Gen Z is at is they're going based off what they've felt, what they've experienced how they've grown up in church, their experience with other Christians, how Jesus makes them feel like this is the root of a lot of what they're doing. Yeah. Um, And I love what you said. It's like, that's not a bad thing that God has given us right doctrine. He's given us right theology. He's given us a mind to know and understand him. But God is also an emotional being and it's not wrong to experience him and then pursue knowledge of him. Like yep. it's not wrong to start there. Um, yeah. You can't stay there. But 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 I think that's where like experience is probably the starting point for Gen Z. Um, and I think I, we can we can break down Gen Z into a bunch of different subsects too, and then we can kind of go about like how do you go about sharing the gospel with these different groups. But 
in, in my experience, there's like three main subsects of Gen Z. Uh, you have your unchurched Gen Z. These are the kids that are like 16 years old that have never stepped foot inside of a church before. Their parents aren't Christians or grandparents ain't Christians. And what they're wrestling with is not their experience with Jesus. They're wrestling with their experience with other Christians. Yeah. And so like who have Christians been to them is their experience and the reflection of who God is. And that's where they're coming from. Yeah. Then you have like churched non-believers. So these are the kids that have grown up in church, but don't actually have a relationship with Jesus. And they are actually wrestling with, have I experienced Jesus? So they might have right doctrine, might write theology, but our ability there is almost having to show them like, Hey, just because you go to church or have the right theology doesn't mean, you know, Jesus, like you can know a lot about him, but not know him at all. Yeah. Um, and then, and then the, like the last section here is just simply like anyone, like you've even talked about this, like unbelieving non Gen Z people. So if we're dealing with like, how does a Gen Z student share the gospel with an unbelieving parent? Yeah. Now you're dealing more with like, is the Bible trustworthy? Does yeah. God make sense? Like that's where a lot of these parents are coming from. Um, and honestly, like I, I know a lot of Gen Z kids and students who are, how do I share the gospel with my, my older brother, my older sister, my parent, my grandparent, like that doesn't know the Lord. Um, and so my whole point with all of this is we have to understand where these people are at in order to therefore share the gospel and make it as effective as possible. Yeah. As old as it makes me feel, I'm a millennial. And when (laughs) I was in middle school and high school, I remember spending a ton of time on trying to prove to other people that God was real. And I would appeal to all of these different arguments. You have the, you have like the cosmos argument, you have the logic argument, you have all these different arguments that prove God exists. And I became really rehearsed and good at those arguments. But today those aren't the things that really matter to these high school students, regardless of where they're at on that spectrum. Like, It sounds weird to say this, but it's like the question that the student is asking isn't, is God real? Yeah. That's not the question they're asking. They're asking, okay, why do I, why am I going through the suffering I'm going through? Why do I feel this way? They're wrestling really with like this problem of evil on a much more emotional level. So even in our attempts to explain the problem of evil logically, we fail because the logic doesn't outweigh the student's experience. And that's why like, and we see this in the Bible all over the place too. It's like, Job is probably the perfect example of this. Job is sitting Mm -hmm. here. He's suffering. He's hurting his friends. Meet him with logic. Like that's what his friends Mm do all throughout their discourse. They meet him with logic. What they don't do is they don't meet him in his experience. And it's like, because of that, man, Job's friends fail in a lot of ways. So I look at this generation, I see millennials and, and, and older generations trying to reach this next generation. And we're failing because we're trying to meet our students. We're trying to meet Gen Z with academics and intellect rather than walking alongside them in their experience. The biggest thing that Gen Zers are asking is, am I a part of this community? Am I a part of a community? Do I belong? Do I have friends? Like these are the questions that they're asking. And 
man, the church should be and can be the answer to all of those things. But unfortunately, yeah. instead of meeting them where they're at, we we meet them with intellectualism and we miss it. Well, and I think at the heart of intellectualism is Matthew 28. It's like, like it's coming from a good place. Like you want 100%. to go, you want to make disciples, you want to share. But I think the mission always stays the same. The method in which we do it needs to change drastically. Yep. And that's from generation to generation. Like that's just, that's just the ministry of Paul. Um, and so I think one of the things that we've started doing, uh, at least in our own ministry and what we've honestly tried encouraging students to do is we've stopped saying, invite your friends. Yeah. Like not, 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 not that we don't want you inviting your friends to our church, not that you don't want inviting your friends to like a student programming or something like that, but especially for like unchurched Gen Z kids, telling them to come to a church building is not in the cards. Like it just isn't. Yeah. Because they've either had a bad experience with a Christian before, they've had a bad experience with the church building, they haven't had a bad experience with Jesus because they've never actually gotten to him. They they they've they haven't gotten past the bouncer. And so mm. sometimes like the church building has honestly been the church building itself has been a barrier for people to go and hear the gospel. And so we've tried to switching like, hey, our students, like instead of a come and see, we're shifting to a go and tell. And like you go out, you share the gospel, you build relationships, you disciple people, you be with people. And then when you come into the church building, that's the fruit of discipleship. We're not mm. saying don't invite your friends, but we're shifting the order and the importance of what we see here. Um, and, and honestly, like, I think maybe this is a helpful way to even get practically into how to do this. But I had a student ask me where it's like, we're, we're in the South. So there's a lot of like people in their schools that, have either gone to, gone to church before or in church, maybe they're in private Christian schools, but they just don't know Jesus. Like they don't. And so they're just like, man, like how do we share the gospel with our friends when they think they know him and we know that they don't. Mm -hmm. And there's these things that I learned um, from a guy named George Robinson at, at seminary. They're called 15 second testimonies. And they're, they're literally just meant to be like short, quick evangelistic tools. But the heart of it, I think, is really important because at the heart is not necessarily doctrine. It's experience. So like a, a 15 second testimony goes like this. It's like I was this. I was lost in my ways. I was like you fill in your own story. But then God came into my life. There's the experience. And now I'm this. And it always ends with like, do you have a story like that? And so you can share what you're sharing there is who God is and what he has done for you. And you can see the change there. And like when you're looking at like unchurched Gen Z or churched Gen Z that doesn't know Jesus, like what you're showing them there is there is a before and after. I didn't have joy. Then I met Jesus. Now I have joy. I didn't have peace. And I met Jesus. Now I have peace. Like yeah. you're sharing the experience with them. And especially for church kids that have all the right theology, but don't have that experience. That's the one thing that you have that they don't. That's the hope that you can offer them. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's things like that. When we shift the method a little bit, the mission's the same, but the method in which we go about reaching them like has to change. The like reformed um, voice in the back of my head is like, I'm definitely like, we're going to get the, the people that are saying, well, you can't base your, you know, you can't base religion off of experience. And, and honestly, if that's what you're hearing, that's not what we're saying. 
we're saying, hey, we yeah. need to meet these students with where they're at, and that is experience. We need to tell yeah. them the truth of the Bible, and as the Lord works on their heart and draws them to himself, the work of God will begin to sanctify them into a place, and we have to disciple them to a place that doesn't solely rely off of experience, but that relies on what yeah. we would say is like, man, the Bible, the perfect holy word of God. And it's like, if, yeah. if, if we can get people there, that's a huge win. That's discipleship. And so we're not saying, hey, we just need to base everything off of emotion. Yeah. No, that's dangerous. But we should be willing to go to a place to meet people with where they're at in order to disciple them to a place where, hey, like they can see the Bible as the perfect holy word of God. And that's what Jesus did throughout his entire ministry. Like, let, let's, let, let's not... Let's not get this twisted here. Like when Jesus goes and visits the woman at the well, he goes to where she already was. And we think that only means physically, but he meets her in her shame. That is where she made her home. And that's where he starts. And then he shifts to like, Hey, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one, like I'm, I'm the fulfillment. You've had five husbands. I'm the one that your soul longs for. And I think Gen Z is the exact same way. It's not just physically proximity going to people where they're at, but it's starting where they're at, where they're at spiritually. It's starting where they're at emotionally. And like you just said, then discipleship begins. Sometimes we, we, we want to disciple people before we ever meet them where they're at. Yeah. And then we yeah. wonder why they don't want discipleship. Yeah. Um, and so, man, yeah, I, I, I really don't think Gen Z is lost. I, I, I really don't. And this might be a whole different conversation, but like, I don't think Gen Z is too far gone. Um, I see them asking questions and their desire for, for truth and their desire to feel God and experience. Mm. Like it's, it, they don't just want a feeling to have a feeling like they want to feel truth and the same way they want to know truth. They want to feel truth and what is actually real. Um, and I think God uses that. I really do. Yeah. I, I yeah. think he honors that. And that also means that the church needs to get really good at discipleship. Yeah. Really, really, really good at discipleship. Because part of the reason we, we're at where we're at is because the church hasn't been good at discipleship in the past. Discipleship requires time. It requires a lot of effort, especially when it's reaching a culture that we are less familiar with than our own. So there's work that's involved. It's difficult. And... I mean, a lot of the blessings that I have in this area is just that, like, that's the stuff. Like, I love playing video games. I love watching Minecraft on YouTube. And there are areas of Gen Z culture that I'm much less familiar about, like college mm -hmm. football and college basketball. But it's like, if I want to meet a student who cares about college football and college basketball, then maybe I need to go do some research, watch a couple games so that I can begin to be a part of those conversations in the same way. For those of you that love college football and college basketball, you have that student in your small group, in your ministry, in your life that loves to play video games, that loves Fortnite, that loves to watch Minecraft YouTube videos. And maybe there's a step that you may need to take into educating yourself in that realm. And so we need to be willing to do some research, to take the time, take that research and apply it in relationship with people. And if we can do that, man, I'm confident we can reach Gen Z with the gospel. Well, 
And, and, and I think this is a good clarifying factor of this is like, you don't have to be an expert in everything. Yeah. You do not have to know everything. Like I, I don't really care about Minecraft. I don't know Minecraft. That's, that's not my wheelhouse. So I don't like my responsibility isn't to learn and know everything about Minecraft, but I'm like for the kids that, especially in my ministry, like there are kids that are super into John Mayer that I'm like, okay, like those are the kids that are around me. Those are the kids that are in proximity to me. I might get to know John Mayer a little bit, have that conversation. And now that that's a, that's a door into maybe a deeper conversation in the gospel, which is what I am rooted in that, that, that is the thing that I know the most about, not necessarily John Mayer. Um, same with like middle school girls and Harry Styles could care less about Harry, Harry Styles, but like, you'd be surprised how many gospel conversations come from Harry Styles. Yeah. You, re- you yeah. really would. And so it's just, it's, you don't have to be an expert on everything you have to know a little bit about the kids that are around you and what, what they're thinking, what their deep desires are, but also as Vic said, like what their interests are. Um, and those things will open up a lot of gospel conversations. I believe the foundation of care is understanding. That's like, that's been my motto. It's like, if I want to care well for this generation, I at some level need to attempt to understand them. That's more than just the superficial things like the YouTube videos they watch when they have some free time. It's more about like what are their deepest needs and desires and relational equity. And hopefully, you know, if you're plugged into a church community, you have people around you in community that are unique and have different passions and have different, you know, leanings for things that they like and and just like reagan doesn't know a ton about video games if he has a student that's like hey i want to go play minecraft he's like cool go talk to victor (laughs) and if i have a kid that's like i love basketball i'm like hey go talk to reagan um we can utilize one another in this because that's kind of how the church is meant to function it's like we have a role we play that role in the body and it's like that's when we are functioning in a beautiful, beautiful way, um, the way that, that mm-hmm. Christ had intended it. So 26 minutes and 12 seconds. That was pretty good. That's pretty good. And you have to go in eight minutes. So let's wrap this one up. Guys, thank you that so much for tuning into the podcast this week. If you have questions, comments, concerns, want to continue the conversation, let us know. Sanctifiedish at gmail.com. You can also check us out on social media at Reagan Jones 97 and at Rotsiv157. Y'all, we are so thankful for you. Thank you guys for coming back week in and week out. And we hope that you learned something today. Guys, we will catch you in the next one. Until then, take care and God bless. Let's play Fortnite. So tell me Let's play Fortnite. Come on. Bro, I can't I can't build. Come I'm on. not good at it. They have a no build mode. Yeah, Fine. no excuse. No excuse. I have the gritty. I can do the gritty now in Fortnite. He's <laughs> He's a widowy gwittying in Fortnite.